Welcome to the Locala Podcast. This is episode 26. Yeah, so my weight, I was up to uh, two or 360, 65 pounds, but that's when I weighed myself in. Mm-hmm. I could have been bigger. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's, it was one of those things where I was just like, uh, I went on, you know, I went on a wilderness outing with Steve with mm-hmm. uh, North Florida Survival, something like that. Okay. Uh, um, and but st- uh, it was through the Tin Can Network, and then I went to that, and then when um, when I was there, I really thought I was like, hey, I was raised in Florida, you know, I live in Oak or uh, Oklahoma, you know yeah. what I mean? I'm an outdoorsman, <laughs> you know. And I got out there, and I felt very, very vulnerable. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Locala Podcast, everybody. I'm Lisa Anderson, your host and publisher of Locala Magazine. I'm super excited because we have Jimbo Butler on the couch today, and he's going to be telling us about his 250-mile bike ride that he's going to be doing. So before we hop over to him, I do want to remind you to go ahead and hit that like button and subscribe so that you can follow us and learn all about our wonderful stories that we have here with Locala Podcast as well as with the magazine. So let's hop on over to Jimbo. Hi. Hey, how are you? (laughs) I'm well. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Good. Well, welcome to Locala Podcast. I know. I feel like this has been a... a Waiting, like yeah, yeah. It's been a little while <laughs> yeah. coming since we first sat yeah. down and talked yeah. about it. Yeah, so. it's um. So you actually, let's go ahead and just dive in about the bike ride first. I do want to get some backstory on you. Okay, but let's dive in uh, about the bike ride. And um, so tell me a little bit about why you decided to do it and what you're doing it for. So uh, it all started. Um, I started on a weight loss journey, and I was losing uh, a great amount of weight, and I was working out every day, and and. Uh, I was like, man, like, what can I do to like, like, I want to do something epic, like mm-hmm. run a marathon or do some crazy, you know, fun thing to do that I would never thought I could ever do last year. Yeah. And I was like, let me, let me ride a, you know, and I had a buddy of mine that rode from Melbourne all the way to Washington, D.C. on a bicycle. Wow. So I was like, and I, you know, I called him and I was like, hey, how many miles did you per hour? So I was like doing the math of like, if I could even <laughs> do this, right? And he's like this, and I was like, well, I want to do a ride too. But then I'm thinking like, I'll just ride across the county. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, well, that's not really like news newsworthy, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I was like, I want to do something bigger than that. And I was like, what is a, like, what is a cool route in the mm-hmm. state of Florida? And it was like coast to coast trail. Nice. And I'm like, coast to coast has a good ring to it. Mm-hmm. Then I looked it up, and it's like, depending on which way you go, it's oh, 250 miles, maybe a little less, a little more, just okay. depending on what route you take or sure. what kind of construction you run into. Um, but so 250 miles is like the official trail. Okay. And um, it's part of the Rails to Trail program here in the state of Florida where they t- took uh, they took uh, railroad r- lines and turned them into walking and biking trails. Okay. So um, so then I was like, that is like something that's super epic. Yeah. And then I'm like, you know, I was part of a tin can um, event um, back in uh, a couple years ago. And I was like, well, these guys are doing so great, great stuff out there. Let me add them to... Let me bring them in and and not just waste this on just something I'm doing, but make it bigger than me. Right. And make it uh, and and that's when we started looking at the statistics of you know suicide in the fire department community and how they're not really represented that much, uh, at least what I see in the public. Um, and I was like, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Now, I know we're planning on having someone from Tim Can come on the podcast, yeah. but can you tell me a little bit in your words on what they do exactly? So uh, uh, Tin Can as a whole, 
um, is uh, they they basically take uh, uh, first responders and veterans and they push it towards um, they push them towards basically having purpose beyond the badge mm-hmm. and beyond the uniform. Okay. By helping youth, helping in the community, um, we we use that as a, heal, a healing process. Um, with with the new leg of Tin Can, basically what I'm doing, you know, the Wounded First Responder uh, Network. Yeah. And uh, but we're we're going to really be pushing to get you know these veterans and first responders back in the wilderness, back out, giving them purpose, something to do beyond their purpose of their job. Yeah. Um, I think that has a lot to do with the you know the problem that we're having with suicide or mental illness in the uh, in the communities. I think uh, you know you 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 as a firefighter or a veteran, you, you know, you're a rock star on the job. You're a rock star overseas. You know, one questions you because you are, you know exactly what to do for your job and you can do it. Right. Right. Even in in everyday life, when you're at work, you're a rock star at work, but when you go home, you might not be a rock star at the house that great. Right. Right. Or among your friends, you might not be the, to you in your idea of what a rock star should be in your Mm -hmm. friendship group, you know? And I think that really tolls on them um, a lot. And, and, and I think that if we get more, more information out there and more studies out there, we can definitely um, try to combat this this problem. Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of cool that you decided that, hey, I'm going to do this ride. I'm doing it for myself. But then you're like, but I want to do it more for than just myself. Right, yeah. And so I think that's really cool that you got in. So do you have sponsors and things that, that you're working with? Yes. So I do have a, uh, one of my main sponsors is Santos Bike Shop. Okay. Um, I went to Chris, and I uh, this was right when I first started. Like, oh, I want to ride a bike. I want to get into mountain biking. And yeah. I'm like... And so I roll up and I'm like, hey, Chris, you know, I'm, I'm looking at doing this ride. Uh-huh. I wonder if you would like to partner up with me. And he's like, yeah, we can do something. Let's work something out. And then uh, so I didn't own a bicycle at all. <laughs> Did, <laughs> when, when you decided to do no, this ride? <laughs> no, no, I didn't have a bicycle at all. So I was like, um, I don't have a bike. And he's like, well, we rent bikes. I'm like, okay, because I was trying to borrow it because I got buddies that do ride bikes. I'm like, you got a spare bike that you're not using? Yeah. You think I can use it? And Chris was telling me that Santos rents bikes. Okay. So I was like, okay. And then I was on the fence of using an e-bike with pedal assist or a traditional bike. Mm-hmm. And then I went with traditional bike um, just because I feel like my fitness level is getting to a point where I can not really need an e-bike right okay. now. And um, so I talked to Chris about it. And he he's like, here, I'll just give you a free rental and you can ride with us on this ride. And it was like, now, before that, I was in the gym on a stationary bike, pedaling as hard as I can, doing the best. I mean, I was feeling like a great person on on the stationary bike in the gym. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, uh, the first ride I went was a night ride at Santos. And it was like an hour and a half of riding, and I was whipped. I bet. It's a lot different. I fell off the bike. I, you know, I came back, (laughs) my leg was all cut up and bleeding. and, And I'm like... And the guy goes, uh, so how long have you been riding? One of the guys that we were riding with, that guy m- had to be in his 50s or 60s, yeah. right? And he's like, how long have you been riding? I was like, this is the first time. I haven't <laughs> rode a bike since I was 10. He goes, maybe we shouldn't have done these trails. <laughs> because I was, I just looked like just like a baby giraffe, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, riding this bike. And uh, I just fumbled around. And But now, like, now that I... I'm riding the trails. I'm, mm-hmm. but but most of the path that I'm riding is going to be a paved asphalt path. It's not going to yeah. be on the dirt. 
Um, I like riding on dirt. I like doing the trails. Um, it's more cardio and less time. I mean, mm-hmm. you're really getting a good workout in, in a less amount of time. Yeah. Um, and it's also a skill level. Like when you're like trying to go over rocks and roots and different obstacles, like your skill level of controlling that bike is better. And then when you get on a nice perfect run that there's no obstacles there's nothing like you feel very comfortable on a bike um and that was the big thing i was just trying to push to this bike needs to be an extension of my body like Mm -hmm. i just need to not question if i move a certain way or do a certain thing and and i don't think i'm doing it perfectly and people might judge me the way i do it but hey at least i'm doing something (laughs) you're doing something yeah how many miles are you currently riding a day so uh because of my work schedule it's very hard to get out every day i get home at like five or six o'clock at night Mm -hmm. so it's really hard during the week but uh normally i go to santos Mm -hmm. and i ride the uh, all the way to the land bridge and back on the santos trail or the greenway trail right there sure and that's uh, about 14 miles okay but recently um last sat or the saturday that just passed I did, um, I was like, you know, like one of my goals was I'm going to ride to every firehouse in the city of Ocala from my house. Wow. So I did a couple that were just like six miles here, five miles here, and it wasn't that big of a deal. And then I was like, I got like three. First, I thought I only have three left to do. Mm-hmm. So I rode to, uh, from my house, I rode all the way out to the college. So I live by, you know, near um, like Bonnie Heath, like right by sure. Fort King Middle School. So I rode out there, and that was like six miles. I was like, okay, six miles there, six miles back, that's 12 miles. That's no problem. And then I was like, oh, well, I'm going to go to this other place. So that was another. So I ended up doing 18 miles that run. Good. And then I got home, and I started going through all the photos because I take pictures at the firehouses of my bike leaned up against a fire truck or with the crew there if they're not busy. And I try to spread the word of you know the of our wounded first responder network to them while I'm there. And my wife was like, I was going, I said, man, I'm missing Station 6. I did not do Station 6. How did I not think of, like, why did that not be in my list? I'm going through all the numbers. I'm like, I did not do Station 6. And my wife's like, well, how far is it from here? And I look it up, and it's 10 miles there. And 10, oh, It's no. all the way to past West Marion Hospital. Oh, my god! Past Dick's Sporting Good, past Epic Theater. Yeah. And I'm like... So not only that it's distance, but now I, if you think traffic is bad at 275 in a car, just imagine being on a bicycle. I was going to say, I would not do it. That's kind of scary. <laughs> and, now, and there's no bike lanes, so no. I'm on the sidewalk, you yeah. know. But it's still, I mean, people pulling out into the crosswalks and not even paying attention to the sidewalk at all. Mm. I never even experienced that or even thought that was a thing until uh, you ride a bike. Yeah. And um, so I rode out there and rode back. So it ended up being... Like I guess because of my detour with some of the construction, it ended up being like 38 miles that day. Oh, my gosh. And then so when I got home, I was like, I'm not really like sore. I'm not like super sore. I'm not like where I'm so tired I can't do more. Mm -hmm. So like another 20 miles, like especially on all I'm worrying about is pedaling. I'm not worrying about traffic. I could have probably got that done faster in the time. Um, So I was like, I don't think it's going to be that. You know, 50 miles a day, I think I can do easily. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, you're so the ride starts on April 10th. Right. Um, where are you starting from? Uh, Titusville, Florida. Okay. It's going to be right on the beach. There's a there's a little dock that goes out where everybody starts at from that point, and it kind of goes through Titusville, and then it starts the trail. But the problem with the coast-to-coast trail, it's multiple trails built together. So you have to navigate and kind of know the mapping as you're going, because yeah. you could get off on a trail that's not part of it, and then you have to work your way back to it. Um, also, only 
the trail is connected. I think 98% of the trail is connected. So there is parts where you're going to be on the side of a road. You're not going to be on that trail. Yeah. Um, and that's stuff that we're going to combat as we get there. It's one of those things where everybody's like, you have a plan how you're going to do this? I'm like, no. I think <laughs> Well, these, you kind of do. I mean, you're, well, you said someone's going to meet you at Yeah, so I do have a goal. Um, that is still in the air. So, okay. like, I do have, like, it is in the works to have somebody in an RV to meet me at every checkpoint or every mm-hmm. stop point just so I can charge batteries. I think I'm still going to sleep in my hammock tent on the outside of the camper. Okay. But I need a place to charge my batteries. I need yeah. a place to put, you know, uh, I don't mind sleeping on the side of the trail. I don't mind sleeping in the woods. Like, that's not the problem. It's just making sure we're still documenting everything. Yeah, absolutely. And charging everything. I don't want to stop at a gas station and plug up at a outlet and sit there for two <laughs> hours wasting time when I could charge things overnight right. at a facility. So. That is the goal. Okay. We're still working on it. The camper that the guy is, is going to be pulling is uh, it's in the shop right now. Okay. So we'll see how we'll see that if it works. Gets ready. Yeah. And if it doesn't, then I might, you know, I'll reach out to some other people I know with campers, yeah. you know. Um, but if anybody out there has a camper and wants to be part of something <laughs> cool, like, you know, come yeah, holler at me. Let them, let them know. Hit my digits up, slide Absolutely. in my DMs. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I think that, but still, you'll never, I think you can plan all day long for this ride and never really know what's going on. Yeah, you're not going to know until you do it. And and one thing I did mentally is I joined a lot of Facebook groups about long distance riding. So everybody I'm looking at on this group is like riding like across Africa, across oh, wow. Europe, <laughs> from Asia to Europe on yeah. bikes. And I'm like, and I'm like, I'm getting ready to do 250 miles. <laughs> and they're like... <laughs> Easy. I did that in a day. Yeah. And also, too, like, also the bike that I'm doing it on is a mountain bike. It's not a road bike. Okay. So road bikes, you know, there's guys that can do that whole coast-to-coast trail in one, in like 14 hours or in a, you know, a 12-hour day. Um, Maybe, and I might have the time a little long, but they do it in a 24-hour period. Mm -hmm. Um, in, in that time, because they have bikes that are built for long distance, like, you know, Lance Armstrong out there, you know. You know, is that I think that's the guy, the cyclist guy, yeah, Lance yeah, Armstrong. Yeah. So you know, Tour de France guy. You know, uh-huh. like they're they're on these bikes. You know, and and these are bikes that are built for that long distance speed. So why did you decide to do this ride on a dirt bike or on a mountain or, bike? Mountain, mountain yeah, bike, so yeah. a mountain bike. Well, for one, I like riding dirt trails. I like okay. being off road. I think it's more one in the nature. You mm-hmm. know, um, just. Being in that community with Santos, like everybody's mountain biking, we're mountain biking together as a group. It's like yeah. a nice little community. Like if you walk in the Santos shop right now, it's like that you, it's like your friend's shop. Like mm-hmm. that's just the vibe of that place. Okay. And um, also, like, I if you had like a road bike, and this is my opinion, but if you have a road bike with the real skinny tires and you accidentally go off the road a little bit to miss a car, you mm-hmm. might bust a rim, pop a tire. Okay. With my bike. Um, it's, you're just going to go off the road and it, the shocks are going, it's a full suspension. So the shocks are going to absorb that hit, um, of going off road back onto the road. Um, okay. I just think it, I think, uh, your mountain bikes, I think you can be more of like a Swiss army branded, like, you know what I'm saying? Like you, it's a little versatile, a little yeah. better. Now you're giving yourself five days, yeah. but you have a personal goal of trying to do it in three. Yes. Um, but I think it's smart that you're giving yourself five days yes. because if you, like you said, if something happens to a tire or, yeah. you know, you got all those little detour adventures that might happen that yeah. you, you know, aren't necessarily planned for in the time period. So giving yourself that yeah. extra time. Because that's what I'm thinking. Like if I get up at seven in the morning and start riding and then mm-hmm. by two o'clock I'm at 50 miles, am I going to stop riding at two o'clock? No, no. I'm going to keep going until yeah. five o'clock or right. until I feel like maybe, hey, 
60, 70 miles, like it, hopefully, you know, it's not dark yet, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but also I got to learn to pace myself because that's the one thing I don't have locked down is pacing myself. I run a hundred, you know, mentally a hundred miles an hour every day. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, yeah, this is good for day one, but is it good for day three? Mm-hmm. Is it good for day two? Like, yeah. like running 60 miles that first day, 70 miles that first day, is that going to be good for the long term of the ride? Right. Am I going to burn myself a hundred miles into this? Right. And um, is your, are you planning on um, giving yourself a chance to kind of do those type of rides in a full day before you go, so yeah. You know so, <laughs> so uh, Fat Tire Festival is coming up at okay. Santos. It's uh, the ninth through the twelfth. Okay. Um, I'll have a booth there. I'll at, be in the, March. Yeah, in March, truck? March. Yeah, yeah March okay. 9th through the twelfth in March. Um, it's called the Fat Tire Festival. It's like a very big bike mountain bike community festival. Though, but they're having an epic fifty race. Um, really, they call it. I don't. It's not really a race. It's like a support ride. Everybody's riding. It's more of a challenge. Okay. Um, but uh, according to the biking community, once you put two bikes on a trail, it's a race. <laughs> so if there's more than two bikes on a trail, it's always going to be a race. Okay. So, but um, I think it's 50 miles of riding in the dirt and doing all these trails all through Santos Trail System. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely I, that, that's on the 11th is that that ride, and I'm definitely going to go do it. Okay. That's 50 miles. Um, of riding through these dirt trails, so it's going to be a lot more, a lot more hard to do it, I think, than being on the pavement for fifty mm-hmm. miles. Yeah. Also, I plan on if you take the Greenway Trail all the way out, so it goes from Santos right mm-hmm. there by the Sheriff's Station, all the way out the two hundred. Okay. Um, and then you go because you go over the land bridge at seventy five, and then you keep on the on the path, and when you get out there. You go across 200, and they have another trail, like a dirt trail, mm-hmm. uh, and that, and then if you do that and come back, it's like 48 miles. Okay. So I'm gonna try to do that ride too. Okay. Before then, um, I really think it's possible. I mean, it's just it, uh, as long as you have the time, as long yeah. as you do the math. Yeah. So like, and, and that's the thing too, like doing the math. Like I, I saw that on like a David Goggins video on YouTube. That guy's a beast, and he's like. You know, I wanted to break the record of the pull-ups, most pull-ups in 24 hours. And he did like 4,800 pull-ups in 17 hours. Oh, my goodness. And he's like, it's just the math. I do five push-ups. I take a half-a-minute break. I do or pull-ups. I do five pull-ups, take a half-a-minute break, five pull-ups. Okay. So like, as long as you do the math, yeah. you can always make it happen. Yeah. So, and I think that's all this ride's about is doing the math. Doing the math in your head. Yeah. So, um, okay, let's get let's get a little bit personal on your personal journey here. Okay. Um, so you kind of started this because of weight loss. So right. um, where were you with, with your weight and mental health and all of that kind of so, stuff? So yeah, so my weight I was up to uh two or three hundred and sixty, sixty-five pounds, but that's when I weighed myself in. Mm-hmm. I could have been bigger. Yeah. Um and uh it's, it was one of those things where I was just like, uh, I went on, you know, I went on a wilderness outing with Steve with mm-hmm. uh, Northern um, Survival. Okay. Nor- uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the business, but it's North Florida Survival, something like that. Okay. Uh, um, and, but st- uh, it was through the Tin Can Network. And then I went to that. And then when, um, when I was there, I really thought I was like, hey, I was raised in Florida. You know, I live in Oak or uh, Oklahoma. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm an outdoorsman. You know, and I got out there and I felt very, very vulnerable. <laughs> you know, and I'm so glad I had a guy like Steve there. You know, because his knowledge of the outdoors and he's such a great. You know, right now he's my mentor okay. in this whole journey. And but he was really like patient with everybody. It was a lot of people there that, that night and. 
and we slept out there and I just found out like how physically uh unable I was to do things. Okay. Just starting a fire, like having the cardio to rub two sticks together and keep doing it and then waking up and walking through the trails or walking to the river to get water every morning and come back up. Like I was physically exhausted every day. Yeah. And I work construction. I was like, hey, I'm out here, you know, working construction jobs and running pipe as an electrician and and doing all this work and and I'm, I feel like I'm physically capable of doing stuff. But then I got put in that situation. I felt like very vulnerable, very like I am not where I need to be. And then it just clicked in my head. Like, like if I am not able to survive by myself, mm -hmm. like how would I be able to protect my family? Like I'm not physically able to do that. Yeah. Like and how, I mean, if we're ever put in a situation of doomsday, you're like <laughs> how am I supposed to survive? You know yeah. what I'm saying? If I can't even protect myself, how can I protect my family? So then I went on this whole journey. My wife, you know, she's been on this journey with me too. And uh, she's been very supportive. And and we've really, really uh, have made a big difference. I'm down to 250 pounds since April of last year. Oh, that's amazing. So I'm really just like, uh, and it's like a switch clicked in my head. Like I'm very like things that that I don't want to do, I'll just go do. Like it was just little things. Like last, not, not 2022, but 2021's Christmas. I didn't want to put Christmas lights on my house. Yeah. I waited until my neighbor offered to help me. Okay. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I didn't want to climb a ladder. I didn't want to be on my roof. I didn't feel comfortable bending over. Yeah. Like, and I was, you know, maybe a little bit of laziness, but it had a lot to do with it. I just physically didn't feel like doing it, you know? Yeah. And then this year, like, I'm I'm up here on the roof cleaning the gutters and running around <laughs> my roof. And my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to do everything I can do. Yeah. Uh, we went When we went to South Carolina on vacation, people were like, uh, hey, we want to climb down the side of this hill to go see the front of this waterfall. Um, and I'm like, yeah. Let's go do it. Go and I climbed it. down the side. Now, I wouldn't have done that at 360 pounds. Yeah. I just wouldn't have felt safe. I would have felt very nervous the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, and Do you think it was conscious for yourself on those feelings? Like, did you place that with your weight or did you just kind of, it just kind of happened and then it wasn't until this trigger that you realized that right. you were using that? So I think that it was... It's hard to say because I've always been a very confident person. Mm -hmm. I've always been the funny guy, always been the life of the party, no matter how big I was. My saying always was like, I don't let my weight define me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I'll do whatever everybody else is doing. But there's like that mental behind me that I don't want to fail in front of people. Okay. Like, and I think like as, it's like one of those things, like as a, as somebody that was 370 pounds, like you go sit in a chair that you know that might not be able to hold you. You don't want to sit in that chair because you're afraid that it'll break in front of everybody and everybody's going to laugh at you yeah. and be embarrassing, right? Right. And I think it was the same way. I don't want to climb that. And then the, you know, the paramedics come here. He fell off his roof because his ladder wasn't strong enough to hold <laughs> yeah. him. You know, one of those things. And, yeah. and I don't know if people understand this, but most ladders that are residential use are not for 370 no, or 360 pounds. <laughs> so it's like, uh, this is not, I didn't want to do that. Like I didn't want to feel that way no more. I didn't want to have any, and what kind of like statement is that to your kids? Right. Like I'm holding myself back because of my, like we have one life to live, right? Mm -hmm. Why not live it to the fullest? Yeah. Um, I do believe in life that there that we are never going to choose our day when we leave this earth. We don't have a choice in that. It doesn't matter if it's walking out on the street and get hit by a bus or having a heart attack in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have the choice in that. Yeah. And I honestly believe that. And if and if uh, if we don't have a choice in it, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I can. What I do have a choice in, and the choice I have is to live my life to 100 percent fullest as I can live as hard as I can go. Yeah. 
Yeah. So did you, because you're doing this with um, this ride with uh, Tin Can and everything like that, and you said that that was kind of your trigger doing an event with them. Do you have a military background or a first responder background? So I've never been in the military. I have a lot of military friends. And the funny thing is, is if you put me in a room of 100 people, I'll become best friends with the guy that was in the Marine Corps. (laughs) I don't know why. Um, and just that personality. Yeah, I guess, huh? I, we just click. We're best buds. Like, and um, so I've never been in the military, but I was in the fire service. Um, so in 2001, um, I was in, uh, I was going into high school, high school, yeah, high school, 2001, okay. and um, I was in North Carolina. And when I was there, um, I was on a school bus, and I seen a guy. 9/11 just happened, and I seen a guy wearing a hat that said "Never Forget." A yeah. kid on the bus. Yeah. I'm like, where did you get that hat? He's like, at the firehouse. I'm like, well, how can I get that hat? He's like, join the fire department. So in North Carolina, between 2001 and 2004, or no, 2006. Okay. No, no, 2004. Let's get okay. it right. 2004. <laughs> they um, had a program. The whole county was volunteer. Okay. But as long as you were in high school and you took the fire classes, so everything was volunteer, mm-hmm. they Gave you free courses in fire, firefighter one and two. Wow. And you could fight fires, even in high school. Wow. So, um, and I think the one thing they were trying to get away from, they if there was people there, they wouldn't, they didn't really want you going into a burning house, but you could fight the high fires from the outside. You could fight car fires. You could do sure. rescue calls. You could cut cars open in accidents. Like mm-hmm. it was like, but uh, in those, from 2001 to 2004, I became, um, Firefighter 1 and 2 certified. I had hazmat operations. I had water rescue training. And I had all these certificates. And and they said, hey, we're transmitting, we're changing over to um, a paid fire service with a couple paid guys at the station. Mm -hmm. Um, When you turn 18, you'll be a candidate to have that job. I was like, awesome. That's great. Yeah. Then at 17 years old, my family decided to move back to Florida. And I'm like, hey, my buddy said I could live at his house until I turn 18. I have, like, an opportunity here. And my dad was like, uh, you know, we move as a family. Like, you know, and I, yeah. you know, I didn't have a vehicle. You know, I was borrowing their vehicles. You know, I didn't have didn't have anything on my own. I was going to school right, still, you know. Right. Um, and, uh, and I really, you know, I didn't, at that time, I'm not, you know, those days, generations are different today, I think, because mm-hmm. I think that most parents would have probably seen the uh, benefits and might have said, "Hey, you can stay here if you yeah. want to. If they're cool with it, I'm cool with it." But to, in that time, even though that's not really, I think that's not that long ago, the early 2000s. But it is getting that long it ago. It is getting that long ago. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, but I think, and and I think it's just that my dad wanted us to move as a family and yeah. keep that family unity together, and that's what we did. Mm-hmm. And and then when I got here to Florida, I went and visited the fire college, and I found out that. Even though I had all these certifications, nothing crosses over. At wow. that time, nothing crosses from state to state. Okay. Every state had a different program, even though most of it was about the same. Yeah. But fighting fires in California might be different than fighting fires in New York. Yeah, absolutely. So they have different things. I okay. think they're working on a, and I could be a little inaccurate about this, but I feel like I've heard they're working on a way to make some stuff universal, like maybe just the basic standards. So you mm-hmm. only have to take a couple extra courses. Sure. But at that time I got here, I'm like, I'm not doing all this schoolwork again. Like, yeah. I'm not getting paid. I'm not getting paid. Yeah. Like, I was just be working for free to do this. I don't have the finances to do that. I'm, 
I'm just going to go to work. So I just went out and worked. And uh, and I just pushed it to the side, and I didn't touch it again. And, you know, I come – my grandfather was a firefighter. He was a chief in Nassau County. Okay. Um, uh, he uh, – I mean, he was a chief for a very long time in Nassau. So fire is like something like – but I think also people that do firefighting, and it's probably the same with cops mm-hmm. and with the military, I think certain people are born in – like in mentally prepared already for that job. Yeah. Because right now, like if, if we heard a car crash out there on 40 right now, mm-hmm. I, my instincts would be run to go to that car, that, 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 that wreck. Yeah. Um, and then try to assess the situation and help until the first responders got there and then get out of their way and let them do their job. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's just built into me. I'm always like, Oh, there's someone stuck on the side of the road or something going on. I'm always about trying to help somebody. And I think that's just, I think people are built different. Mm-hmm. You know, some people say, hey, <laughs> none of my business <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. keep going. I don't want to get in that drama or – and that's fine. If you're not – I think if you're not capable of helping, mm-hmm. there's no reason for you to stop and get in the way. Right. So, but yeah, so with me being in the fire service, you know, I have like this draw to help the firefighters. I feel like they're not being represented to the fullest, Yeah. you know. It's one of those things like we love you when you're here to help us, and, and I just feel like that. And it, it might not be in this county, but I think nationwide, I just feel like there's not a lot of um, promotion, like uh, like social media promoting, like you know, pushing up the yeah. fire service. No, I agree. I th- I think that um, especially when it comes to the mental health and the the tax that it takes on right. them, both physically and mentally. Right. Um, you know, that's not always addressed. And yeah. and I know for a long time in uh, military and in police and also first, you know, first responders, yeah. that it's almost taboo to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad to see uh, more and more uh, organizations like yourself and um, other podcasts and things starting yeah. to really raise awareness on that because there is too much suicide um, linked to all of those careers that we cannot ignore anymore right. um, because you guys, I mean, they definitely help us. They're there for a purpose, you know? Yeah. And so we need to be there for them as well. Well, I can't believe it, but we're almost to the end of our oh, half man. hour. I know it went really yeah. fast. Yeah. So I usually ask everybody, um, and if you don't have an answer, that's okay. But is there anything that you wanted to talk about that I did not ask you? So, yeah, so there's one little thing that I want it was kind of the end of that little part we were talking. I wanted to add to that is that right now the firefighter rate suicide in the United States is at 127 people a year. Mm. And when are we going to start making a difference? When it's at 22 a day like the military is? Right. Are we going to, I think what we need to start doing is seeing how the military has handled their suicide rate mm-hmm. and try to take, you know, they failed a lot in trying to combat this and they've, they had some wins and they had some losses. And I think we should take that data and start putting it towards what we're trying to, you know, do. Um, because I mean, a couple of days, a couple of years ago, it was 116. Now yeah. it's 127. Yeah. When are we, and the only reason why this is getting brought up now, I think in our community here in Ocala is because we had two in the last month yeah. that had this happened to. Yeah. And it's like, what are we going to, I mean, we got to wait until it hits home, it hits here, you know, like yeah. when are we going to do something about it? And I think, and any any first responder, veteran, 
firefighter, cop, even dispatchers at the dispatch center. I think they're a, another class of first responders that are not being recognized for their trauma. Yeah. People are taking calls, tragic calls every day and not knowing the outcome of any of it, right? right. And I think that I want everybody out there to know that is in these, you know, these organizations, firefighter, police officer, first responder, uh, military, all that stuff. If you come to a, a, a wounded first responder network event, um, them campfires are sacred. Like we stand around and sit around a fire and we talk. Yeah. We t- it's talking shop. It might be bragging about the calls you were on and the rescues you made. It might be about the trauma that you went through, but none of that leaves that fire. Mm-hmm. And that's very told across to everybody that does the events. Like what we talk about here does not leave here. Because yeah. the biggest fear is that. Right. Like I'm going to tell you I'm not sleeping that well at night. And what's going to happen is you're going to take me off my job. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make money for my family. Right. So what am I going to do? I'm going to suck it up. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. That's And that's one of the sayings in the first responder community and the military is embrace the suck, yeah. right? That's their big <laughs> thing. Embrace it. So them just holding things in and holding things in is just terrible. And then the one thing I learned from riding around to all these firehouses is they like Ocala does have a peer program where peers can talk to each other. If they need time off, they don't tell people, oh, this guy's taking a mental day. Right. They say, no, he just got time off and they don't get into it. Yeah. And then when they do go on calls that are very crazy or very traumatic calls, they kind of watch out for each other. They kind of say, "Hey, you know, I see that you're a little on edge right now. Do you want to take let's let's take a couple of days off?" Yeah. And what I want to do is, and when you take those couple of days off, let's go let's go get on the boat and go fishing. There you go. Let's go get back in the wilderness. Let's yeah. let's try to you know re, you know, if you got a, if you saw a call with you know where kids were harmed and and you got kids at home and you feel really locked in on that, like let's you and your kids let's go out on the boat and go fishing. Let's yeah. go and get back in the wilderness. Let's get back. Let's get let's get centered again, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the big that's how we're going to combat this. Yeah, is really push that. So, okay. well, fantastic. Well, a um, couple quick questions for okay. you. Um, where can people kind of reach and learn more about your organization? Okay, so you can go to tincan.us. I think it's U.S. or USA, but it's a tin can dot U.S. But if you go on Google and just put tin can outdoors, like mm-hmm. it's going to come up. Gonna, okay. um, also, you can read, you can find me. I'm on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I have uh, it's Jimbo uh, Jimbo underscore Diesel three five two. Okay. Um, and then I have um, my join the gym. Um, that's like my little weight loss journey, and I was promoting all this on there too. Mm-hmm. And that is join underscore the underscore Jim, J-I-M. Okay. Um, and, um, and yeah, you can just, you know, see us out there. Uh, if you if you need help, just reach out. I'm here. I'm Even if it's just a venting call and not that you're feeling suicidal or anything, yeah. if you just need to talk to somebody, I'm here. I'll talk okay. to you. So okay. just reach out to me. I'm here and anything that anybody needs. And if anybody wanted to help uh, sponsor or support your ride, where, would they reach out to yeah. you via Instagram? So or? you can reach out to me there, or you can email me at jointhegym38 at gmail.com. Okay. And if you reach out to me, uh, we're putting together a sponsorship package. I've been just going around saying, hey, if you want to donate something, that'd be great. And then, <laughs> you know, the guys at uh, the Wounded uh, First Responder Network, they were saying more like, hey, 
let's put a sheet together, yeah. <laughs> a little more structure on how much, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's, you know, that's their thing. So anything okay. that comes with the money, they deal with that. I just okay. want to deal with the people. Okay. So, uh, like, uh, some guy was like, how can I sponsor? How much is it for me to sponsor? I was like, let me get you to contact somebody else. Cause they're the ones that are going to talk to you about the money. Okay. So. All yeah. right. Well, perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today. I'm really, I loved it. I'm really glad you did. Thank yeah. you for sharing your story. And um, we're going to try to touch base with you while you're on the trail, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that so, would be good. So we'll we'll do lives and, and see how that all goes and see what yeah. you're doing. So um, we'll make sure to have everything linked for Jimbo in our description for you to make it easy for you to get a hold of him. Uh, but we just want to thank everybody for joining us here on the Locala podcast. Once again, I'm Lisa Anderson. Anderson, your host. We were sitting with Jimbo Butler, and we look forward to seeing you on the next podcast where we focus on connections through stories. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Locala podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead, like, share, and download. Your support is truly appreciated.